0: Welcome to the Bagwell Center podcast. This podcast features lectures and symposia hosted by the Bagwell Center for the Study of Markets and Economic Opportunity at Kennesaw State University. The Bagwell Center's mission is to provide a platform for an interdisciplinary study of the importance of markets and economic institutions in regards to resource allocation, entrepreneurial activity, economic prosperity, and improved human welfare. Through extracurricular outreach activities such as guest lectures, film screenings, workshops, fellowships, and reading groups, the Bagwell Center places an emphasis on educating students about the foundations of market institutions and examining the related impact of government policy in a mixed economy. For more information about the Bagwell Center and its programs, please visit kohls.kennesaw.edu slash econop.
1: Um, Thanks very much to Tim for doing most of the hard work for this talk uh, by setting up sort of the more technical concepts. Uh, The idea that I'm going to focus on relates to the field that we sort of do a lot of research on here, which is called game theory, which is the idea that people make choices based on what other choices people make. So oftentimes when I make a choice, I'm not just thinking what do I want the most, I'm thinking, what do I want the most, and how is someone else's choice going to interact with my outcome? And voting situations, it turns out, are somewhat, well, not somewhat, uh, (laughs) they're very manipulable in the sense that different people can sort of choose to make choices and potentially change the outcome, but they have to keep in mind the choices that everyone else makes. And so when I say manipulation here, I'm not saying that elections are rigged. Uh, I'm saying that some people, when they're choosing to vote, might think, okay, who should I vote for? Not just in terms of who do I like the most, but how does my vote matter when everyone else is voting a certain way? So I'll build on the same examples uh, that Tim went through and I will emphasize that these numbers are not correct. Uh, They're just arbitrary for the example. So uh, apologies if they don't reflect reality, but suppose we have an election between three candidates and suppose we are considering a total population where 38% of the population prefers uh, Donald the most, 36% prefer Hillary the most, and 26% prefer Gary. If we have a plurality election, as Tim mentioned, uh, where we just have everyone vote and whoever gets the most votes wins the election, which technically is not always the case, but just suppose that is uh, the way we're doing things. In this system, the larger number or larger proportion of the population uh, prefers Donald, so Donald would potentially win the election. The trick, as Tim mentioned, is that preferences aren't this simple. People don't just have one first choice. And so in reality, people often have preferences over not just who they like the best, but second best and third best. And different voting systems can potentially incorporate that fact. So here I've just expanded the same example where we've still got three candidates. Only now I've separated the population into more types based on their second and third preferences. So we have some people who prefer Gary the most, but they still prefer Hillary to Donald. We have other people, type two people, I call them, who also like Gary the most, but they prefer Donald to Hillary. Now why does this matter and why are we thinking about it? Well, again, if we imagine that everyone just shows up on election day, and they submit a vote for who they honestly prefer the most, Uh, Donald gets 38% of the vote, and that would be the largest percent. However, some people might think about the fact that if they're aware, a larger percentage of the population prefers Donald, and they like Gary the best, but they still like Hillary more than Donald. If they're considering that and they think, okay, well, if I vote truthfully, uh, truthfully meaning I'm just voting for my most favorite candidate, Gary's not going to win anyway. If Gary's not going to win anyway and I am a type one voter, I could think about the fact that I might be better off not voting for Gary, but voting for Hillary so that she gets the larger proportion of votes. And if all 20% of the type 1 population does that, in that case, Hillary would get the majority of the vote. So the idea is that if people are thinking about what other people are thinking, it could be the case that they're going to vote in a way that we call strategic. Now, obviously that's one example. If we look at a similar population with the same six types of people, but now it's the case that the type one voter who likes Gary the best, but still prefers Hillary over Donald, uh, is only 13% of the population rather than 20. And the type two, which also likes Gary the best, but prefers Donald over Hillary, is also 13%. Now it could be the case that both types of voters are thinking about potentially not voting for their most favorite candidate, but rather being aware that they're sort of potentially better off voting for who's more likely to win based on what everyone else is voting for and So in this case if both type 1 and type 2 people are behaving what we call strategically uh, They both might vote for their second candidate rather than their first and in that case uh, Donald would win with the majority vote of 51% Now Uh, The plurality system or uh, what we often think of as majority voting is not the only voting system and a lot of the research we do is based on thinking, okay, we know that people have different preferences, so what are different ways that we can possibly gather these different preferences and determine an outcome? Uh, As Tim mentioned, we call that a social choice rule or social choice mechanism. Now, perhaps instead of just saying whoever gets the most votes as a first candidate, we could instead have a two stage voting system where in the first stage, everyone votes once and the majority, or sorry, the, the top two vote getters then go to a second round. Now in that case, the benefit of that style of voting rule is that in the second round, if there are only two candidates, one has to get a majority. That is technically fact. Uh, So by limiting the field down to just two candidates, at least in the end, you end up with one candidate that has received a majority. However, once again, It could potentially be the case that people are aware of this and thinking strategically. So, in this case, uh, with this simple example, if we were going to have a first round and suppose everyone votes honestly, Donald gets 38, Hillary gets 36 percent. In the second round, uh, Hillary would win with the majority based on assuming everyone in the second round is going to vote for whoever they prefer between those two. So uh, I'm not going through adding up the percentages, but essentially all I'm assuming is that in the second round, whoever you prefer, Hillary or Donald, suppose that's the choice you make. Now, it turns out that real elections, this is my big real world example, Uh, Real elections actually are sometimes organized in this sort of way. Uh, There was a recent state senate election where people were voting between a set of candidates and the top two vote-getters then go to a second round and whoever gets the majority between those two will be the winner. However, Something that some people might think about here is the fact that suppose I'm aware of the percentage of the population that is voting for each candidate. And that's a big assumption because really we're not super exact on our knowledge of what other people's preferences are. But if we imagine that people were aware of the percentage that preferred each candidate, it might be noticeable that the top two vote getters are both Democrats. And I will emphasize this is a real example, not based on my preferences. Uh, If you were thinking that perhaps neither of these uh, Democratic candidates were your preferred choice, you would rather vote for a Republican candidate instead of everyone voting for separate Republican candidates. For this specific example, if we just add up the percentage of the population that all preferred any Republican, the majority, and it's a slight majority, it's a It's like 50 point something percent, but a majority here in this example uh, preferred a Republican candidate. Had all of these people just voted for one Republican, that could perhaps have, well, that would have swayed the outcome of the election because then the Republican candidate would have made it uh, in a majority. Now, again, that's perhaps a Heroic assumption that we're imagining everyone is thinking about what everyone might vote for and everyone is thinking about Okay, if this person votes this way, what should I do? And they have to have knowledge of the population's preferences Uh, But the point is if people perhaps are voting strategically the outcome of an election can change so Rather than just voting for their favorite Republican candidate, everyone could have just voted for one Republican, and perhaps uh, that would have been a preferred outcome for them. Obviously, here we do not have a full set of information in terms of everyone's second, third choice, et cetera, uh, which gets to the last voting system I'll talk about. What if it was the case that rather than just voting for one candidate, so rather than just asking everyone who do you like the best or who do you want to report as who you like the best, what if instead people had to list their rank order of choices? So instead of just voting for one person on a ballot, you would say this person's my first most preferred choice, This other person is my second preferred choice, and this other person's third, and so on. There are also voting systems that we can use to take into account this extra information, because the extra information on people's preferences beyond just their first choice uh, might be worth considering. The trick is, how do we incorporate that information? Because this gets to the idea of the intensity of preferences. So do I want to think about really how much everyone likes their first choice as compared to their second choice, as compared to their third choice? One way we could possibly organize a voting system to do that is to use what we sometimes call the board account method, although it's related to other, there are other sort of voting systems that are similar. Uh, But the basic idea is you have a point system. So everyone goes into the voting booth, ranks their candidates, and you assign some number of points for whoever is marked as the first choice, some number of points for whoever is marked as the second choice, and so on. Here, it's just the three-person example. So I say, what if we have an election where Everyone's first choice gets three points from that voter. Second choice, two, and third gets only one point. And then the candidate with the most points at the end of the election would be uh, voted in. Now, the size of these points is not necessarily always going to be just three, two, one. We could have an election system where the first choice is sort of weighted, more importantly, So perhaps we could have a system where the first choice gets five points, the second choice gets two points, and the third choice gets one point. Uh, The numbers can be sort of chosen because the idea is we can determine the election system we're using, and it might be worth considering what this information does to how people are sort of thinking. Now, in this case, and I'm running out of time, and I know the uh, math is well, it's just addition, but uh, if we multiplied everyone's points by the percentage of population, in this case, if everyone votes truthfully, it would be the case that Donald would have a score of 196 if we assume that there are 100 people in the population or if we do it by percentage. Uh, Hillary would have a score of 216. So Hillary would win the election based on the people's extra preference information. Again, however, it could be the case uh, that people might think about, well, uh, in the case of type five voters, they prefer Donald the most, but they still prefer Hillary to Gary, but they might think, well, if I list my preferences differently, yes, I like Donald the most, yes, I like Hillary more than Gary, but if I list my preferences differently, Hillary gets a different number of points. And in this case, uh, if we imagine that it was 10% of the population that preferred Hillary over Gary, and if we imagine that they switched their preferences on purpose to try to change her number of points, uh, in this case, she would not necessarily lose, but she would get fewer points And that's the trick with this system is that you are asking people for a more full ranking and you're trying to take that ranking into account for what you're doing, which means that people might think about their ranking a little more carefully. Uh, I know I'm running out of time. We can do a different example uh, where I just change the percentage of the population so that we've got Different numbers of people who prefer uh, Gary the most, but the same percentage voting Hillary or, Don- or preferring Hillary or Donald uh, second versus third. In this case, if we do the same point system, uh, Donald would get 203 points if everyone voted truthfully. Hillary would only get 195. But if the type five voters change their preferences or they report their preferences in a way that's perhaps not exactly accurate in terms of their true liking of the candidates, but is rather strategic, uh, we would get an outcome where they could actually change uh, the outcome of the election. And so much like the arrow impossibility theorem, which Tim mentioned, it turns out that the big result in this field of thinking about how social choices can be made, perhaps strategically, is the Gibbard-Satterthwaite theorem, which basically says any voting rule that is not pretty simplistic in the sense that we don't want the vote determined by just one person, uh, so no dictators, and we would like to account for potentially more than two candidates, any voting system is potentially manipulable or open to strategic voting, which would change the outcome. Now, again, this is not saying that people all necessarily behave strategically, uh, but the idea is that we may want to consider how people are thinking about admitting their preferences when we're considering a voting rule, right? Because no one really knows your true preferences except you, so if you're asked to list them and you know that your list makes a difference in the outcome of the election, some people might think about perhaps changing their listing in order to possibly influence the election. Obviously, one person alone will not necessarily do so, uh, but it could be worth thinking about how people sort of respond to the potential incentives that are in place in a voting system. And so again, these were just a few examples, uh, but I suppose the real trick is that we're not necessarily assuming that everyone is perfectly uh, strategically rational in the sense that we use it economics. But some people may be behaving what we call strategically, and it's something to possibly think about in a voting system. And that's all I got in my time. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bagwell Center podcast. For more content like this, please be sure to subscribe. And for more information about the Bagwell Center and its programs, please visit us online at coles.kinesaw.edu slash econop.